Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Let's get started. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. I'm your host, Steve Z, and we're going to look into the double standard, the lies of the left, and the propaganda of the progressives. Washington Examiner writes, Trust in media evaporates with many believing that coverage is too easy on gropey Joe Biden. Trust in political news has hit another low with most voters, even Democrats, believing the media were much more aggressive in coverage of Donald Trump than they are on gropey Joe Biden. The latest Rasmussen Report survey says no demographic has a majority level of trust in the press anymore. Overall, and by a massive 20 point difference, likely voters say they do not trust the political news they get from the media. 53% do not trust compared to 33% who say they do trust. And that's even up. The highest level of distrust is, of course, amongst Republicans at 69%, independents at 62%, and women at 58%. The poll follows a series of missteps and apologies from media in their coverage of Trump. And, of course, those apologies always come on the back page or in a two-second blurb at the end of a newscast. Especially speaking about the long-hyped dossier on fake scandals that were meant to derail Donald Trump's first term as president when he was running against Hillary Rotten Clinton. The distrust could be fed by the double standard voters see and how the most liberal media coverage against gropey Joe Biden versus their piss-poor coverage of Donald Trump where every single word or utterance or eye roll that Donald Trump made was covered, and Gropey Joe gets a pass on everything. Biden's numbers have fallen far below Trump's worst numbers, but many outlets in the liberal mainstream leftist media are trying to find reasons and excuses for the poor showing and reasons to cheer the Democrat White House. The public is not buying it. They face inflation that has doubled gasoline prices, are causing a much more expensive Thanksgiving dinner, and the supply chain crisis that will make gropey Joe Biden truly the Grinch who destroys Christmas this year. When asked if news media are more or less aggressive in covering Trump versus Biden, 58% say they are far less aggressive versus Biden, 17% say they're more aggressive against Biden, 21% claim it's about the same. Any way you slice it, my friends, gropey Joe Biden gets a pass on every one of his screw-ups, whereas they were much more harsh on Donald Trump, especially when it came to things that were not Donald Trump's doing or his fault whatsoever. The White House, according to Newsweek, combats reports of animosity in the White House between gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki must be back behind the podium again. She responded to reports of rising tensions between Gropey Joe and Camel Toe on Sunday. She called Harris a, quote, vital partner to the president, unquote. Those remarks came after reports of a deepening rift between the two top government officials continues to grow wider. She said, Psaki that is, For anyone who needs to hear it, 
VP is not only a vital partner to POTUS, but a bold leader who has taken on key important challenges facing the country, from voting rights to addressing root causes of migration to expanding broadband. Well, let's analyze those, shall we? Miss Little Red, circle back girl Jen Psaki. Important issues facing the country? Voting rights? No. We have no problem with voting rights. Everyone should get to vote once. And if your vote is illegitimate, it should be tossed out. That's simple. That's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. One person, one vote, period. How about the root causes of migration? That's real simple. Your boss, gropey Joe Biden, has rolled out the welcome mat, the red carpet, and now is promising some migrant families almost a half a million dollars apiece because their little churins might have been separated from their parents at the border? What about giving military service members who are separated from their children when they are sent overseas a half a million dollars? Hmm? And then, of course, expanding broadband. Yeah, that's something the vice president needs to be involved in. That is what you call a go-away-kid-you-bother-me moment. That's a get that woman out of my White House and let me take my afternoon nap. CNN reported on Sunday to their 35 viewers that nearly three dozen former and current Harris aides, administration officials, Democratic donors, and other operatives have told them the vice president has told confidants that she feels constrained about what she can do in her role as Gropy Joe wrestles with legislative and political concerns. CNN allegedly reported that many in Harris's circle feel she's being sidelined and not adequately prepared, considering there's a strong chance she could be running for president only a year from now. Remember, Biden will be 82 years old in 2024, and he's already senile. He's already an Alzheimer's dementia patient. When the next presidential election takes place, that man will be 82 years old, but he claims he's going to run anyway. But many observers believe Camel Toe Harris, the cackling communist Californian who will be 59 at that time, will be on the Democrat ticket instead. Anyway, either way you look at it, she has a history of not being able to get along with her own staff. What kind of a divisive, obstructionist president would that cackling communist make? Oh my God, I shudder to think. And gropey Joe Biden has weaponized the supposed-to-be independent Justice Department. And they have a double standard. One set of laws for Democrats, another set of laws for Republicans. It's been five years since Hillary Clinton's State Department IT aide brazenly defied two congressional subpoenas to testify before the House Oversight Committee, which was chaired by Jason Chaffetz. Brian Pagliano is that IT aide in the Clinton State Department, and Brian has never been prosecuted. They just keep pushing that can down the road. But in an unprecedented show of alacrity, the Department of Justice last week somehow managed to indict former Trump advisor Steve Bannon for the exact same charge in record time. It turns out congressional subpoenas can be enforced 
but only if you play for the right team. Last week's hasty indictment marks a dramatic shift in the Justice Department's subpoena enforcement. After allowing the Obama-Biden administration to run roughshod over congressional subpoena authority for their entire eight years, everything has changed now that the Trump administration is in the crosshairs and the Democrats are back in power. Make no mistake, congressional subpoenas should not be optional, but in today's Department of Justice, there are two standards. In the widely media-ignored Fast and Furious case, former Attorney General Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress. Department of Justice did nothing. They didn't send frogmen dressed in military gear with night vision scopes to his home in the middle of the night and raid his place. They didn't put out an all-points bulletin through every federal, state, and local agency to find Eric Holder. And guess what? They did the exact same thing with the former State Department IT specialist that I mentioned earlier. The DOJ refused to enforce congressional referrals for prosecution. The worst thing I thought that the Department of Justice could do would be to refuse to enforce congressional subpoena authority. But I found out something far worse. They only seem to enforce it when a Republican is on the receiving end. And they ignore it completely when a Democrat is on the receiving end. Keep an eye on this one, folks. It is going to get nasty. Or nastier, if that's a word. I want to switch gears here for a moment. Joe Biden runs around when it's convenient for Joe Biden to say he's a Catholic. He runs around making the sign of the cross and popping into Catholic churches, hoping, begging to get the Catholic support. But gropey Joe Biden is a Catholic in name only and indeed a Christian in name only. Oh, he likes to make that appearance for the cameras. But the U.S. Roman Catholic bishops are gathering today for a conference in Baltimore, Maryland. They're expected to discuss whether or not President Joe Biden should be denied receiving Holy Communion because of his outright open support for murdering innocent unborn babies, otherwise known as abortions. The bishops are scheduled to vote at the meeting that will last through Thursday, I believe, and a document clarifying the meaning of the sacrament of communion. The committee that drafts the document debated whether it should include a position on disqualifying from receiving communion prominent Catholics whose political actions conflict with the church teachings against baby murder, known as abortion. Biden is the first Catholic president since John F. Kennedy, but he's no John F. Kennedy. He's no Jack Kennedy. I know Jack Kennedy. He is no Jack Kennedy. Sorry, I couldn't resist that old throwback from back in the day. As I said, Biden is the first Catholic president since JFK, and he claims to oppose abortion, but he supports abortion. He did so as a senator for almost five decades. He did so as vice resident, and now he's doing so as the resident of the United States. That's president, but he, he doesn't deserve the P. Telling you folks, double standard all the way to the church pew. Joe Biden and the Democrats. And a staggering 70%, seven out of 10 persons in America, 70 out of 100, 70 million out of 100 million, 24 million out of 330 million Americans 
rate the condition of the U.S. economy as either poor or not so good in a recent Washington Post ABC News poll. Whose economy? Joe Biden's economy. Let's go, Brandon. F. Joe Biden. Yes, my friends, despite the November 8th passage of Gropey Joe's so-called infrastructure bill, new polling suggests Democrats will have cause for concern about their prospects in the 2022 midterm elections. One poll question asked respondents to indicate whether they would vote for a generic Democrat or a generic Republican if the election were held that day. The most recent round of polling conducted on Wednesday, registered voters favored the Republicans 51 to 41%. Nine days earlier, respondents went for the Democrat 50 to 43 a precipitous slide suggests that voters are prioritizing pocketbook issues like gasoline prices and shortages, grocery store prices and empty shelves over legislative achievements that may not immediately affect their daily lives. This is according to this article in The Week. Here's the problem with that article, my friends. Anything that gropey Joe Biden has done is doing or proposes to do will have immediate effect on every American's daily life. And the bad news is it will be a negative effect. Look at the empty shelves in your local grocery store. Go to the gas pump and look at the price of gasoline. It is literally double what it was under Donald Trump's administration. Double! That means even if you doubled your paycheck you are now doubling your expenses at the gas pump. Hmm. Consumer prices rose by a whopping 6.2% in October, and that is the fifth consecutive month that the key inflation indicator jumped more than 5%. That is the very definition of Democrat-induced inflation that is harming, most of all, those who tend to vote Democrat, low-income, uneducated minorities, and people who only vote Democrat because that's what their daddy did, and so they're going to do what their daddy says without looking at the reality, the actual factual figures. And yet, almost half of the nation will sit there and tell you Biden is a better president than Donald Trump. My God, are they that blind? Or are they that ashamed of the fact that they voted for gropey Joe Biden and they want to stand on that hill and die on that hill? Wake up, Americans. This isn't supporting your local football team. We're talking about your own wallet here. We're talking about less and less spendable income every single week in your wallet because of what Joe Biden is doing to the economy. It is perfectly okay to wake up today or tomorrow and say, wow, boy, did I screw up electing this clown. Maybe if the media hadn't have been so biased against Donald Trump and Donald Trump had won, Operation Warp Speed would have already conquered this Wuhan China virus. And we would be in far, far better economic situations 
than we are under gropey Joe Biden at this point. According to Fox News, a city council in California has overwhelmingly voted to declare the city a constitutional republic city to, quote, protect our citizens' rights as much as we can in light of all of these gropey Joe federal mandates and state mandates being brought on by Democrats who are running the country and, of course, the state of California further down the toilet bowl. The city of Oroville, California, and their vice mayor, Scott Thompson, told Fox News Digital, quote, What we are doing is protecting our citizens' rights as much as we can on the local level. In a way, we're acting as a sanctuary city for our citizens and their rights and freedoms protected by the U.S. state constitutions. Gavin Newsom modeled this type of declaration for us when he declared San Francisco a sanctuary city for what he believed to be an overreach by federal government against his citizens when Donald Trump was the president. What's good for the goose, of course, is good for the gander, my Truth Hurts program listeners. Thompson requested the measure, which was passed 6-1 to by the city council on November 2nd. The resolution is intended to allow the city to opt out of enforcing any, quote, executive orders issued by the state of California or by the United States federal government that are overreaching or clearly violate our constitutionally protected rights, unquote. It's not tied to a specific mandate, such as the vaccine mandate on businesses. That's a response to the large amount of mandates, they say, that are affecting every aspect of our lives and our kids' lives. The resolution states that the city believes in the separation of powers, individual rights, and the rule of law outlined in the U.S. Constitution, including the freedom for our local government to have control over issues related to the citizens who reside within a city's jurisdictional boundaries. Councilor Dave Pittman said, it's about local government taking care of its citizens, period. And that's what we're doing. Thompson told Fox News that each mandate will be handled differently. The city council will handle any potential legal fights based on a majority vote. Each and every mandate will be handled differently. Although we realize this virus is serious, we also believe that protecting the constitutional freedoms our citizens have is also something we take seriously. Our state representatives have been trying to get through to our governor for him to hear that just because something works well for big cities like Sacramento or San Francisco does not mean that the same thing holds true for rural areas like Oroville. There, by the way, a small city located about 70 miles north of Sacramento in Northern California. Good luck. Maybe Gropey Joe or Camel Toe will send in the National Guard to shut you down. That's what they like to do. Call in the National Guard when things don't go their way. Oh, and speaking of the National Guard, according to the Washington Examiner, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers has activated the National Guard as the state prepares for what they're thinking will be a turbulent reaction to the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Without mentioning Rittenhouse by name, Governor Edwards announced on Saturday that approximately 500 Wisconsin Army National Guard troops will report for state active duty to, quote, support local partners in ensuring public safety in conjunction with hundreds of officers from volunteering law enforcement agencies. We continue to be in close contact with our partners at the local level to ensure the state provides support and resources to keep the Kenosha community and greater area safe. The 
Kenosha community has been strong, resilient, and has come together through incredibly difficult times these past two years, and that healing is still ongoing. I urge folks who are otherwise not from the area to please respect the community by reconsidering any plans to travel there and encourage those who might choose to assemble and exercise their First Amendment rights to do so safely and peacefully. Oh, listen, the media has turned this Kyle Rittenhouse thing somehow into a race issue. It's not a race issue. Kyle Rittenhouse is a white boy. And the three criminals who attacked him and forced him to act in self-defense were also white boys. Kyle Rittenhouse did not shoot any black people. Didn't even come close to shooting any black people. But yet the media would have you all believe that he is a racist and a white supremacist. Some critics have employed racial language to impugn Rittenhouse's emotional testimony in his own defense. Even gropey Joe Biden, the piece of crap president of the United States, called him a white supremacist. Nothing in any of Kyle Rittenhouse's social media or any of the interviews with anyone who had interactions with this boy could say he has any predilection towards white supremacy or racism. Liberal pundits mocked and jeered at his courtroom sobbing, but they all come to the defense of some clown basketball baller named LeBron James who cries at least a dozen or so times. But even clowns like the recently rich relatives of the criminal thug, dead, drug-abusing, heart attack victim George Floyd are coming out claiming that they know this white boy gonna get away with murder as if he were murdering a black guy. He murdered no one. He acted in self-defense as three criminals, I believe one a child rapist felon who should not have had a gun at all, who should actually still be rotting in jail for raping nine-year-old boys, attacked Mr. Rittenhouse. One of the witnesses was Gage Grosskreutz, who looked at the judge under oath and said he pointed the gun at Rittenhouse. His own attorney asked the leading questions, and he said, yes, after I pointed the gun at him and blah, 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 blah. But yet that same clown, Grosskreutz, went on the television and spoke to some national news reporters saying, no, I, I, I didn't point my gun at him. Uh, uh, uh. Now, I didn't finish law school. However, I do remember something about double jeopardy. Well, double jeopardy is you can't try the same person twice for the same crime. But Democrats in all of these murder cases, just like the one against Officer Derek Chauvin in the accidental death, the overdose, drug overdose, and heart attack death of that criminal thug animal, George Floyd, suddenly when the prosecutor can't win their case, now they suddenly are able some kind of way of tacking on all kinds of new charges in the middle of a trial. The leftist mainstream progressive liberal media has been really against this judge the whole time, claiming he is a racist, he is a white supremacist, because he had God Bless the USA from Lee Greenwood as his ringtone, and his phone went off in the courtroom. That doesn't make you a racist. That makes you proud 
to be an American. The judge in that case signaled on Friday that he may inform the jury of narrow gun law exemptions after the defense sought acquittal for a misdemeanor gun charge in the case. Rittenhouse faces life in prison for defending himself against three white men who were attacking him. But the African American community and the woke progressive leftist liberal media would have you believe he went on a black killing spree. What a joke. Popular Science magazine, which I used to like to read until I realized just how liberal and leftist they actually are, says that cleaning up human sewage is an international issue. As growing populations grapple with how to properly process poo, a significant amount of sewage ends up in waterways around the world. Two billion people around the world lack sanitation, which means that millions of tons of poo and urine enter the environment untreated each and every year. In wealthier countries like the U.S., most treated sewage is placed directly into rivers and oceans. Human waste also introduces nitrogen into the waterways, which causes watersheds to experience dead zones, which is harmful to marine life. So I guess their advice is stop eating meat. If you eat only vegetables, you won't get nitrogen into the water supply. Listen, guys, I've got an idea, and th this is a good idea. If you want to stop eating meat, go right ahead. That leaves more steak on the shelves for me. The more meat a person eats, the more nitrogen is found in their waste, according to studies, which means ipso facto nitrogen will end up in the waterway. Do you know that our atmosphere is made up primarily of nitrogen, and then oxygen is the second ingredient in our air, in our atmosphere? Hmm. I've been on farms where I see farmers having to add nitrogen to make the crops grow. Anyway, you can look at numbers from two different directions, ten different directions in America. Someone is going to find some kind of way to blame the eating of cows on the demise of our country. A reporter shouted to Principal Deputy Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre from the back of the Brady press briefing room at the White House last week. You forgot half the room! The outburst picked up on a live video feed of the briefing and was included in the actual written transcript comes amid audible frustrations amongst many reporters in the briefing room over who gets called on to ask questions at the daily briefings. Now, I know there's a lot of people in there, but the one-sidedness of the reporters being called on by the press secretaries, Little Red, Circle Back Girl, Jen Pisaki, and Corinne Jean-Pierre, well, it's obvious. It's blatantly obvious. You should take questions from this side of the room, one reporter barked at Jean-Pierre as she ended Monday's briefing. Yeah, there's like five more rows here, another chimed in. Tomorrow, guys, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll get back tomorrow. At the conclusion of Tuesday's briefing, a reporter again shouted, You forgot the back. She said, I called on the, I called on the back. We had U.S. Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo take questions from the back, guys. Raimondo took questions from a reporter seated behind the first few rows 
early in the briefing, and Miss Jean-Pierre picks and chooses which reporters she wants to hear questions from because she's either mentally incapable or she's been ordered to not take questions from certain more conservative reporters. Most of the complaints come from reporters further back in the briefing room representing smaller news outlets, according to this article. Jen Pisaki returned for the first time since her positive COVID test last month, made a point of calling from several reporters not seated in the first few rows. She said, I just want to skip around because I know we're not getting to enough people in the back, so I hear. The seats in the front row are usually taken by NBC, CBS, ABC, Associated Press, CNN, and Fox occasionally. The second row usually includes the Wall Street Journal, CBS News Radio, NPR, the New York Slimes, and the Washington Compost. Seat assignments are reviewed and determined by a committee of four members of the White House Correspondents Association Board, and they weigh factors such as an outlet's reach and its daily average. Well, let me stop for a second. They really should reevaluate and move CNN and MSNBC to the back because, according to Nielsen ratings, those outlets, well, their ratings are going down just like Gropey Joe's approval ratings. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a fantastic Monday, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are free speech protected under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Thank you.